take your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6. We've been in Ephesians for a couple of months now, and we're coming to uh, the conclusion of this study today. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. So we're going to start in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, God, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will be upon the presentation of your word and also upon our hearts as we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, as I said, we have been in Ephesians. Now, listen, if you have not read the book of Ephesians, you need to read the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is, is the meat of God's Word. It is spiritual meat for your soul. We've been talking about it uh, throughout these past couple of months. In chapter 1, we saw that Paul showed us our inheritance in Christ. In chapter 2, he shows us the, the, the mercy and the grace of God. In chapter 3, we see the limitless love of God. In chapter 4 and 5, Paul tells us to uh, put away the old man of the flesh and uh, put on the new man in Christ. And, and then in chapter 6, as, as Paul brings this to a conclusion, he tells us that in our new life in Christ, that as followers of Jesus, you're going to be a target. That you have an enemy who is scheming against you and who is laying traps to try and pull you down. Not because he hates you, but because he hates the one who is in you. And he hates the potential that the one who is in you has put upon your life. Now, the world will try to tell us that the devil, that Satan is a myth. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you and me to think that he's not real. He wants us to forget that he's even there and to think that our real enemies are of flesh and blood. He wants you to think your boss is your enemy or your, your, your co-workers who oppose you are your enemy or the bully down the street is your enemy. The devil wants us to, to think that people in government he wants you to think that Nancy Pelosi is your enemy, or Joe Biden is your enemy, or Donald Trump is, is your, your enemy. But Paul is telling us here in Ephesians 6 that our real problem, America's real problem, is not the politicians in Washington. The real problem that we have in America today is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience, powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's why we pray for our nation. That's why we pray, God, break the grip of darkness over the seats of governance in our land. Amen? And this Tuesday, 
Is everybody ready for Tuesday? You know what Tuesday is, right? Tuesday is where we get to do our civic duty, and if you've not already done early voting, to show up at the polls and, and cast your vote. Amen? And our prayer has been that God will raise up leaders who fear God in their heart. That God would raise up leaders who revere His Word and who align their decisions and their belief system and their conduct with the truth of God's Word. Right? That's been our prayer. So this week is our opportunity to go out and cast our vote uh, for those leaders that we believe who march in alignment with the principles of God's Word. Amen? So, but the point of, of, of Ephesians 6 here that Paul's making is that our real enemy, your enemy, and my enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not human instruments. It's, it's not the people around us. It's those unseen forces that are working through people, designing attacks and, and bringing opposition and even raising hardship against us. It's what Paul calls the wiles of the devil. And in the Greek, the original language of, of the New Testament there, that word wiles means literally schemings or strategies that the, that the enemy has, has designed against us. And this is why in verses 10 and 11, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may what? Be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The strategies, the schemings, the snares and the traps that have been laid against. Put on the armor of God. Everybody say armor of God. It tells us that, listen, if, if, if you're going to stand, you got to be dressed right. you got to be dressed right. you got to be intentional about, about how you clothe yourself spiritually each and every day. Because, listen, some of you, some of us, are going into some very dark places every day. Some spiritually hostile environments every day. Facing demonic attack temptations that are the result of the devil's strategies. People who are being used by the devil to try and distract us, tempt us, and tear us down. Now the problem for many Christians today is that we are going into these environments, these dark environments, work or, or school or wherever, we're going into them spiritually naked. Spiritually naked. We are vulnerable to the enemy's attacks because we're not dressed in the armor that Paul described here. Now listen, there, there's nothing wrong with, with, with going into environments that are dark and demon infested. We got to walk through this world, amen? You can't go hide in a cave somewhere. There, there's nothing wrong with going into a place and even having a job where you're war working with people that are, that are controlled by darkness. How many know what I'm talking about? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're thinking, I just described your, your place of work, right? But there's nothing wrong with that, right? Don't come to me and say, well, I need to quit my job because there are too many devils there. Hey, guess what? <laughs> That's life. Amen? The, the, there's nothing wrong with working with, with, with people who are demonically driven. What's wrong is going to those places spiritually naked. That's what's wrong. 
What's wrong is not being properly prepared and dressed and, and clothed, right? Because listen, if you're dressed right, if you are dressed properly, you can, you can work with anything. You can, you can be exposed to Ebola or, or anthrax or, or, or COVID. You can be exposed to any. If you're dressed right, you can run into a burning building and save somebody if you're dressed right, right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. So listen, it doesn't matter how mean or nasty your, your boss may be or, or how evil and demonic your coworkers are or what the environment is like. If you're dressed properly, that's what Paul's saying, if you're dressed properly, properly, no weapon formed against you will prosper. God will fight. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. But guess what? We got to get dressed right. Amen? We got to get dressed right. And there are six components of the armor that Paul mentions here. There's actually seven that Paul gives us. And the first one that he mentions is the belt of truth. Verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Now the belt of the Roman soldier, is, which is really the, the illustration that Paul's drawing from here, would have been the very piece, the first piece of clothing or armor that the soldier put on before anything else. Because the belt was kind of that stabilizing point for every other piece of armor. It held, it kind of held everything in place. And Paul says, if you want any chance of standing firm against the schemes of the enemy, you must first be a man or a woman who is committed to the truth of God, who is wrapped tightly in truth. Now listen, it is so good that, that you are here today in church, and it's, it's so good that you're online listening to the service today. But understand, just because you're here, just because you like going to church and, and you enjoy worship music and listening to awesome sermons, it, 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 just because you're here, it doesn't mean that you're girded in truth. Just showing up on a Sunday morning doesn't mean you're committed. To be girded is to be wrapped tightly, you know, like a belt wrapped around your waist and, and pulled tight. That does not come loose. It doesn't come loose, right? It means when you are girded in truth, it means we may not always be politically correct, but we will always be biblically correct, it means that we do not follow along with every wind of culture that blows, every media narrative that comes along, and just agree with what everyone else is talking about in, at work or in school or on social media. It means that we are committed to the truth of God's Word. But listen, before we can be biblically correct, we need to be biblically literate. Right? And listen, before you get, you get pulled into the next narrative of current events, be sure you're seeing the world through the lens of God's Word, and you're not seeing God's Word through the lens of the world. We're talking about a biblical paradigm here, a biblical worldview, right? Too many people today, pastors, churches today, are twisting God's Word to fit their own truth. Right? And that's a dangerous place to be because when you untether your truth from God's word, 
Your truth becomes a lie. You become self-deceived, and we're seeing that today in our culture. We are in a a cultural moment right now where people are self-deceived, right? Anything goes when you say, I have my truth, or they have their truth, or that's your truth, right? Anything goes. Untether yourself from the Word of God. Buddhism, that's okay. Islam, that's okay. Reincarnation, yeah, that's okay. They're all just different paths leading up the same mountain, right? When you untether yourself from God's truth, anything goes. There are no absolutes, right? Unmarried sex, yeah, that's okay, right? As long as you love somebody, whatever feels good. Gay sex, yeah, that's okay. As long as you love the person, right? Whatever feels good. Gay marriage, yeah, that's okay. Who am I to, who am I to, to judge, right? Transgenderism, right? Drag queens in, in schools, pedophilia, grooming little children, right? That's okay. It's 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 that's their that's their truth, right? Listen, let me tell you something. What's going on today? It's not about your truth or my truth. It's about being deceived. It's about being caught up in cultural lies and delusion, right? That are establishing a bulwark of cultural resistance against the truth of God. Right? And if we are going to if we are going to stand firm against the wiles of the enemy, it begins with saying, "You know what? I'm not interested in your truth or my truth. I'm interested in his truth. Amen? Colossians 2.8 says, beware. Everybody say, beware. Beware Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. There's no such thing as your truth or my truth. There is only the truth. Gird yourself in the truth. Amen. Amen. Daily feeding yourself on the truth, right? Reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, cross-referencing it, understanding it. Amen? I'm not just talking about a, you know, what do they have, the daily bread where you get a little scripture. I'm talking about taking some time, you know, and opening it up and reading it and understanding it, right? Blocks of scripture, chapters, consuming it, eating it, becoming biblically literate people, right? The problem we're seeing today that there is a surge of biblical illiteracy in, our, in the church today. People just don't know the word of God, right? So when someone comes along with their truth, They don't know how to react. Why? Because they're not girded. They don't have the belt that is fastened tightly around them, right? And it just comes off. And so now they just pick up anybody else's truth and say, okay, yeah, whatever you feel, whatever you think, whatever you want. No, no. Right? Colossians, beware. Lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, the tradition of men, the principles of this world, and not according to Christ. Amen? And then in verse 14, he also says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness, which protects all those those, uh, essential, vital organs. Now, in one sense, we talked about this a couple of uh, of weeks ago, we are made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Amen? How many remember that? Right? Positional righteousness holiness, right? Instantaneous sanctification, okay? We are positioned before God as righteous because Jesus took our sins to himself on the cross, amen? Right? But in another sense, we must choose to walk in righteousness 
progressive sanctification. Okay? We must make the choice every day to put on the breastplate of righteousness. So I believe that this, this isn't talking about positional righteousness because this is something that we have to choose to put on every day. Amen? God puts on us the robes of righteousness through the blood of Jesus, but we've got to put on the breastplate. That's what Paul's saying, right? Now, what is righteousness? Think of it like this. Righteousness is right choiceness. Right choiceness. It's about being intentional. It's about making lifestyle choices that align you with the Word of God, the truth, right? Again, it goes back to the belt. Okay? Aligns you with the truth. It's about building a life environment that protects you from temptation and keeps you clean, undefiled, and unspotted from the world and environment. Right? There's a lot of things that we can't control in our lives, but we can control our environment. What we allow into our homes, into our minds, into our hearts. Amen? We had a, we had a neighbor... Uh, a couple of years ago, a neighbor down the street who had a problem with rats. Rats. Rat infestation in their house and on their property. Now, where did those rats come from? They weren't invited. They didn't just appear for no reason. No, the rats came because these people had piles of garbage in their yard. Okay? And they, they didn't want to pay for garbage pickup, and they didn't want to be bothered with hauling it to the dump, so they just kept throwing, you know, the black trash bags out and just made these heaps of trash in their yard, right? And because of the garbage in the environment, the dirty, putrid, foul-smelling garbage, what happened? It attracted rats. The problem wasn't the rats. The problem was the garbage. Now, Ephesians 4.27 says, Give no place to the devil. The Greek word for place means quarters. It means literally a space to occupy, a room that is prepared for someone to inhabit, right? Some of us are wondering why we can't get victory over certain aspects of the flesh. We're wondering why we struggle with temptations and thoughts and words and actions, right? The problem is not the rats. The problem is the garbage. It's because of the garbage in our environment, right? Because of the things that we are allowing to pile up in our environment that is sending out an invitation card to the devil to come and tempt us. Don't expect, listen, don't expect to overcome lust if you're watching all kinds of garbage on Netflix and YouTube and HBO. Hello? Just going to let that hover there for a moment, okay? as the Holy Spirit descends with illumination, okay? Don't expect to get free from unhealthy thoughts and toxic talk and vulgarity if you're hanging out with unhealthy, toxic, vulgar people. Amen? Don't expect to overcome your problem with alcohol by going to the bar and ordering a Diet Coke. doesn't work that way. Don't expect to overcome cigarettes 
if you're always going to places where everybody's smoking, right? Or get victory over resentment or jealousy or fear if you're on social media 10 hours a day. People are wondering, you know, why they've got all of these thoughts and these attitudes and these things going on in their their flesh, and what they've got to do is they've got to throw the garbage out. Make good choices. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Amen? Okay? It's really not that deep. I mean, you know, we we make getting victory over things so complicated. Like, i got to come to the altar and lay hands on me and pray with me for four hours and let's fast and pray. And you know what? How about just canceling your Netflix subscription? Amen? Because I cast 70 demons out of you here at the altar. They're just going to run out and get in your car and wait for you to come go home. They're just going to walk right back into your home with you and get right back inside of you, right? The, the issue is not getting prayed for. The issue is the environment that's attracting. It's sending out an invitation card. How many are hearing what I'm saying? Yes? Amen? Okay. And then he says this in verse 15. He says, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So it's this image of binding up our sandals and tying our shoes really tight so that our feet are protected from the rough terrain. So the feet is that part of us that touches this world. You hear what I'm saying? Okay? Each of us, we have to walk in this world. Okay? You're you're not going to be able to live in a cave somewhere and, and hide. All right? It means that even when you try to clean the garbage out of your life, you're going to still have to walk through some garbage. Hello? Okay? At work, at school, okay? Social media, people around you. Living in this world means you're going to have to walk through the dirt of this world, the filth of this world, the rough terrain of this world. So Paul says, get your feet ready. As you're walking through this world, touching this world, remember, Paul says, here's what he's saying, remember that you are not of this world. You are an agent You are an ambassador of another world. You don't fit in here. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you don't fit in? Right? Do you ever feel that? Right? At work, you know, everybody's hanging out at lunchtime talking about stuff. You just feel like you're just odd man out, you know, square peg and around. Or you go to a family reunion, right, and everybody's there, and, you know, they're all drinking, they're all partying, they're all talking about this, talking, and you just feel like, man, I just, I don't know, I just don't fit in, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't, well, guess what? You don't fit in. We don't fit in. We are citizens of another country. Amen? Heaven is our home. And stop trying to fit in. Stop trying to talk like they talk and laugh at the things that they laugh in and say the jokes that they... and watch the things and listen to the things that they... You don't fit in. Stop trying to fit in. Amen? (laughs) Be different. Keep your feet shod with the gospel of peace as you walk through this world right? And I like how Paul, he says that it is the preparation of the gospel of peace. It means that we need to be prepared to speak the gospel to the people around us. Paul said in Corinthians that we are ambassadors of Christ. Ambassador. In other words, we're not just in this world, we represent another kingdom to this world. That's what he's saying. As you walk through this world with all its defilement, its unclean, its, its all of its dirt and its filth and its sin, remember that you are an ambassador of another world. You don't fit in here, but be a voice 
Amen? Be prepared, he's saying, to speak the gospel to those around us. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be ready to give an answer, a defense, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Listen, we are surrounded by lost, hurting people who need a Savior, who one day are going to stand before God. You understand that? Those people that we work with and we talk to every day, every day, one day, are going to stand. It is appointed unto man once to die, but it's after this judgment, right? And we don't want them looking back at us saying, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Right? This is what Paul's saying. As you walk through this world, be ready. Be ready to share the gospel. And what is the gospel? That we are all sinners. We've all sinned. And God is holy, and because he's holy, he cannot accept sin, and he must judge sin. But God is also love, and because he's love, he doesn't want to judge sin. So he sent his son Jesus, and on the cross, Jesus took our sins upon himself. He died the death we deserve to die, and then he rose from the dead to demonstrate that the offering of his life for our sins was accepted by God. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now he offers to each of us the gift of eternal life that we must receive by faith. Hallelujah. That's the gospel in one minute. It's simple. Learn how to speak it. Learn how to share it. Because I want to tell you something. God is already preparing the hearts of people around us to hear the gospel. How do I know that? Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants lost people saved, but he needs saved people to speak the gospel to the lost. So Paul says, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There are a couple more here. In verse 16, he says, above all, he says, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So as a reference to the, the shields that the Roman soldiers would carry, the shields were about four and a half feet tall and about two feet wide. It, it basically covered the soldier's body, all the vital organs of, of, of the soldier. So when soldiers, here's what would happen. The, 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 the soldiers would have these shields, about four and a half feet high. And when they would advance on the enemy, they would form a row. And as they formed a row, all of the soldiers would hold their shields out in front. So the enemy would be facing a wall of shields. And these shields were actually called phalanxes. And these terrorized the enemy because the enemy, all the enemy could see was this wall of shields coming towards it, and it terrified them. This is a really important metaphor for us to get here. Paul is saying that if we are going to stand firm against the enemy in our lives, then what we need is not just a shield of faith, but we need to use, use it the way it was designed to be used to link up with other soldiers, in other words, my faith, your faith, is not a standalone strategy, right? One Roman soldier out there with a shield isn't going to last very long because the enemy is going to flank him, is going to attack him from the sides, from the back, right? The way the shield was designed to be used was in connection with other shields, hallelujah. 
right? So your faith, my faith, it's never meant to be a stand-alone defense. It's designed to work best in community, in connection with other believers. This is why we need church. This is why we need community. Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but come together and exhort one another. When we gather together with other believers, something happens. It intensifies our, the power of our faith. It's like, I mentioned this before, when you push hot coals together, there's this synergistic effect. They draw off the heat of one another, which causes their collective heat to rise. And as a result, they each individually get hotter. This is what happens when we come together. We encourage one another. We exhort one another. Our boldness intensifies. Our faith increases. Praise rises up. Prayer is activated. We become a wall of shields, and the enemy is defeated in our lives. Hallelujah. Just by being here this morning, something intensified in your life. You know what I'm talking about. I felt it myself just standing down here as we were all worshiping together in a united voice of praise. And the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Hallelujah. So this is what happens when we come together. There's this synergistic effect where the, 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 our faith and our boldness, it intensifies. You know what you need in your life? You need a wall of shields. Your, your shield of faith is not enough. That's why people say, well, I don't need church. No, you do need church, right? And those of you who are still stuck at home watching church on live stream, you need to get to the house. You need to come to church because there's a wall of shields waiting for you to help you overcome. Amen? And then Paul mentions this in verse 17, the helmet of salvation. The helmet. The helmet covers, it protects the head because the enemy wants to get into your head. He wants to infect your thoughts with doubt and fear and condemnation. That's why I think we need to get, we need to spend less time on social media because you get on social media, you get, people are getting into your head. They'll get into your head. They will, start, they will start to manipulate and control your thoughts. You'll start thinking about things and talking about things and even believing things that you would have never even thought of unless you allowed those people to get into your head, right? Amen? Get off, get off that thing, right? The enemy wants to infect you with fear and condemnation. Any lie that he can, he can use to undermine your confidence in the grace of God that saves you. This is why he calls it the helmet of salvation. Not the helmet of sanctification, the helmet of salvation. Because he wants us to always be confident, not in our own abilities to save ourselves, but in God's grace that keeps us saved. Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now compare that to Romans 8.1 that says, There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? Saved by grace, no condemnation. Now compare that to Revelation 12.10 that calls Satan the accuser of the brethren who accuses them before the throne of God night and day. The greatest Weapon in the enemy's arsenal is condemnation. 
to cause you to believe that you are not good enough and you will never be good enough and that you are lost and that you have failed God and that God can't love you. That's what he wants to do. Listen, we all stumble. We all sin. We all fall. And when we do, the devil comes to us in the heat of that moment with condemnation. And the devil will lie to you and he'll tell you you're not good enough, you're a failure, that God can't forgive you again. And then he'll try to put you on this treadmill of personal merit where you feel like the only way that you can get into God's good graces is by showing God and proving to God how holy you are right? To work your way back to God. Well, I got to read, you know, I got to read the whole book of Matthew. I got to pray for two hours. I got to fast, you know, three days for the week. I got to witness to seven people. And if I do all these things now, I'll start to feel like God accepts me again. And that's a lie. He says the helmet of salvation. We have to keep the helmet of salvation firmly on our head because there are going to be times when the devil's arrows are going to get through and they're going to pierce us. And we need to remind ourselves that we are saved, not because we read the Bible today, not because we prayed for 40 minutes, not because we've done good things. We are saved how? By His grace. Hallelujah. Amen? We are saved not because we hold firmly to God, but because God holds firmly to us. Hallelujah. Amen? So ask, if you fall, if you, if you, if you sin, listen. Peter said, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace of God, right? Ask for forgiveness. Accept the forgiveness. Get up, brush off your knees, and move forward in Jesus. Amen? Don't let the devil hold you down and fill your mind with condemnation. Be free in Christ to accept your forgiveness and your freedom. Amen? Amen? And then there's this, the sword of the Spirit, verse 17, which is the Word of God. This is the only defensive weapon that's mentioned in the armor, which tells us that if we are going to truly be victorious, that we cannot remain passive in spiritual warfare. We need to be the aggressors. We need to be on the attack. We need to be taking territory away from the enemy. And our weapon in doing that is what Paul calls the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. What does that mean? When your health is failing, when you get a bad report from the doctor, don't just sit back and bemoan your situation and accept it. Go on the attack. Pick up the sword of the Spirit, and declare, by His stripes, I am healed. I'm taking that territory back from the enemy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? He is the Son of Righteousness who will arise with healing in His wings. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals me of all my diseases. Amen? Right? When your kids are being pulled into darkness by the enemy. Don't just sit back and hope for the best and tell yourself, well, it's just a phase that they're going through. No, go on the attack. Pick up the sword and say, you know what? Acts 16.31 says that if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, not only will I be saved, but my entire household will be saved. In Jesus' name. Amen. And this is where the last component comes into play, verse 18, where he says, praying always 
with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Take the sword of the Spirit into prayer, and in prayer, declare the Word of God over your situation. I'm talking about doing battle. I'm talking about doing warfare. And your battles, listen, your battles are not won on Sunday morning. Sunday morning's where we come together and, 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 we, and we recharge our faith and we support one another and we worship God. But the battles are fought and won on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day of the week where we take the sword of the Spirit into the prayer closet and we declare the Word of God over whatever scheme, whatever strategy, whatever attack the devil has lined up against us. Hallelujah. Reminding God of his word. Not that he's forgotten it. We remind him that we remember his word. We remind him that we trust in his word. We remind him that we're standing on his word. And that his word has integrity. Amen? When your finances are in trouble, pick up the sword of the spirit. Go into the prayer closet and declare what the word of God says. That if I bring my tithe into the storehouse, he will open the windows of heaven over me and pour out a blessing so great that I won't be able to contain it. That he will rebuke the devourer for my sake. Hallelujah. Amen. We can't be passive. We've got to be aggressive with the sword of the spirit. Amen. 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 All right. Let me ask the worship team to join me up here. Next week, we're going to take that a little further. What it means to do battle over our finances because we're going to be coming into some challenging times. We're already in some challenging times. Amen? And my advice to you as your pastor who loves you and who can see some economic indicators coming toward us, keep God first in your finances. I will not shrink back from that. I will not become bashful and embarrassed in saying that. The smartest thing, the wisest thing that you and I can do, keep God first in our finances. The devil will lay strategies and schemes to try and pull our faith down and cause us to back up and to give him territory. But we've got to be bold and we've got to say, no, now is the time. Hallelujah. Now is, this is not when we shrink. This is when we say, you know what? I trust in my God. I trust in his word and I'm going to do battle with the sword of the Spirit in the closet of prayer. Amen? Let's stand together. So, Father, we thank you today for your word that reminds us, Lord, that we are in a battle. We are in a war. And that the enemy has schemes and strategies, traps, hardships, opposition lined up against us to try and push us back from the territory we've gained and to steal territory away from us. I pray, God, that you'll help us to be girded with truth, to have the breastplate of righteousness, to have the shield of faith, to have the helmet of salvation, to have the feet shod with the gospel, to have the sword of the Spirit in the closet of prayer. Help us, Lord God 
to be those warriors. Come on, if that's your prayer, just lift a hand to the Lord and say, yeah, Lord, I want to be that warrior, God. I don't want to just sit passively by while the enemy tries to run roughshod over my life. Lord God, Lord, I don't want to be naked, spiritually naked in the workplace or in the classroom or in school or in the world. Lord God, I want to be prepared for battle. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up both hands to the Lord right now and just say, yes, God, prepare me, Lord God. Show me, Lord, where I need to be better prepared. Show me, Lord, where I need to be made ready. Show me, Lord God, where I need to be stronger, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's lift our hands. Lift our hands to the Lord. Let's just take a moment and seek God right now.